Today on the Talent Cast, we're eh, we might as well subtitle subtitle this thing "Barbarians at the Gate." Uh, we're going to do a, a little more deep dive into employee generated content. Uh, why, how you should process platforms, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so there you go. Let's get started. Howdy. Welcome to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I am always am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, James Ellis here. How you doing? Coffee in hand. It's a Sunday morning. Uh, if things sound differently, I apologize. It is a child sick day, so usually here's a peek behind the the machinations that become this podcast. Usually Saturday or Sunday morning, uh, there's an opportunity in which my wife and child go someplace for an hour, in which I can make a total fool of myself by myself to a microphone. I call it a podcast. You might call it something else. Um, today, the the kidlet is sick, <laughs> ugly fever. I mean, she's fine. She's gonna be fine, but she's uh, going to tell me at least another four hundred times before the day is over. I sick. So yeah, she will be getting everything she ever wants, and I am here in the bedroom recording. No longer the bunker. I am here recording the podcast. So hopefully, it doesn't sound <clears throat> too much different because I am caffeinated up and I am ready to rock and roll. So last week, if or you know, if you don't do this weekly, in the last episode, we touched on the concept of employee-generated content and whether it was of use to let your employees and you know the friction between letting your employees tell your employer brand. Um, I'm going to assume after having listened to that or having skipped it all together, I don't know, uh, that you've decided that employee-generated content is a thing worth considering or at least something of potential value. And we're going to dive a little more deeply into that today because I am actually, you know, and I don't know how how forcefully or passionately I came across last episode, a huge fan of employee-generated content, a huge fan. And there are a couple of different reasons. The most important to me, or really the most important too, they're really the two different sides of the same coin, is this idea that employees actually know, right? If you have a hospital and only the marketers are talking to the world and not the nurses and the doctors and the administrators and the people who, you know, clean up needles and syringes and stuff and, you know, wheel the food from place to place. If it's only the marketers telling the story, you're going to hear a marketing story. Now, as we all know, marketing stories are liars. Thank you, Seth Godin, for pointing that out and and making a whole book on that title. However, more specifically to that, everybody can smell marketing content. Um, you know, it's been attributed to a millennial thing. I don't think so. I think I'm pretty good and I'm old uh, at spotting marketing material and 
you know, rating it, you know, taking it with a grain of salt as appropriate. I mean, yes, obviously, if it's marketing content, a lot of people touched it. It's clearly what they want you to think, um, but uh, it's still marketing content. I think of, uh, and maybe you don't remember this, and for those of you abroad, you don't get to see this. I have no idea what commercials you guys get, you folks get uh, across whatever given pond we're talking about. There used to be a product called Orange Juice Light, in which they said, we have 50% of the calories and sugar of regular orange juice. That's a great marketing pitch. Hey, you love orange juice and you want less calories and sugar? Try this product. We're going to charge you slightly more for it because of the ma the magic in which we remove these, this calorie and sugar. Well, it's diluted orange juice. It's just twice as much water. Okay, so one is marketing material and one is not marketing material. <laughs> one, the intention was to get you to buy more overpriced, diluted, watered-down orange juice. The other is a little more, uh, shall we say, Honest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that to me is the epitome of great marketing content. They're going to ignore diluted orange juices, the message, and talk about the benefits, and that is less uh, calories, less sugar, which is a, you know, that's a that's called action. That, that's a that's a valid claim. So that's the real difference between marketing content and non-marketing content. You can smell marketing content. You know marketing content. You don't take it as seriously as you do when your neighbor says, "Hey, uh, here's this thing. I like this thing." Right, your neighbor, your family, your mom or dad, I guess, uh, your whoever, your your coworker, they bought this thing, this product, this service, this idea. They've used this thing. They like this thing, and now they're telling you about it. Far more effective in the day. There's a million studies that back that idea up. So that's why I like employee-generated content because it says we're going to talk to people who actually touch the thing, do the thing. And, you know, as a means of expressing your employer brand, in a hospital you're talking to administrators and janitorial services and custodial services and nurses and doctors and the whole rigmarole. These are the people who are actually doing the job, not what somebody in an office somewhere says the job should be like, but what the job actually is. On the other side of that same coin, the other reason why employee-generated content is so amazing is because it sends this funny signal that says the company is actually okay with this. Usually, as you know, companies are very, very uh, conservative in their approach to letting people talk about their employer brand. Um, you know, there are rules by which, um, you know, for you, you, <laughs> so for example, movies, there's a reason why all the movie reviews come out on the same day. The, the critics watch the movies a week, sometimes two weeks ahead of time, and they all agree not to produce their reviews until a such and such a time. They're, they're embargoed. That is an agreement they make. Uh, with in order to get previous access, which allows them time to actually consider the review and write the review and get it edited and published and all that good stuff. Um, that's the agreement we all make, right? Uh, employee generating content says we've decided not to edit that process. We've decided to say, okay, whatever, we're open up the doors, we're open up the kimono, whatever your metaphor of choice is, you can see what we have to say. We're allowing our staff to go out and say these things. And we know, we know with certainty that is the sun will rise in the east and set in the west, that some of the stuff that was said is not going to be glowing. Some of it is going to be a three-star review out of five, so to speak, right? Some of it's going to be here's some good and here's some bad. And some days the bad outweighs the good, but most days the good outweighs the bad, and that's why I continue to work there. That speaks volumes, that a company allows itself to say, look, we're not trying to pull a snow job on you. We're not trying to cover, you know, pull the wool over your eyes. We're not trying to pretend that this is this watered down orange juice is magically 50% less sugar. We know what we are. We know who we are. We're not perfect. There, are, you know, there are 18 million companies in the U.S. alone. So therefore, we can't be number one at everything all the time. We are 
a choice and we have ups and we have downs we have goods and we have bads we have pros and we have cons and you have to decide if they are appropriate for you so I go back to you know the old standbys of Amazon and 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 SaaS and all those where they say here are these companies that are known so or Google are known so well for this perk or that perk or this idea the more you focus on that one thing, the more you ignore the stuff around it. By opening up the kimono and saying, hey, staff, go ahead and talk about the stories, you're going to have this, the employees talk about, yeah, the perks are nice, but, and there's the rest of the story. Now, a marketer would never finish, have a but, right? <laughs> they always have the, here's the amazing story. Thanks for playing. Got to go. And they walk out the door and, and, and smoke bomb and drop the mic and all that good stuff. They are out. They say the good things and they get out as soon as possible. Real life is not all good. Real life is pros and cons. Real life is, um, you know, complicating and messy and imperfect. And the more a company allows its staff to embrace this idea and communicate this idea to each other, to one another, and to the world, the more you and I see that and going, huh, that's interesting. The company has faith that they don't have to monitor every communication. They don't have to be big brother or micromanaging of that communication. They know that yes, they're imperfect and it's okay that people know that because frankly, let's be fair, we want people to know that because if they come in thinking it's all a better roses and, and, and really high-end wine uh, and it comes in and it turns out it's occasionally box stuff and occasionally an animal cracker, uh, you know, they're gonna be mad the first week and then they're gonna quit. And we wasted all that money bringing them in by selling them this thing. And then when it turns out what we sold them isn't completely accurate, right? You, you know, again, if it goes back to this idea, and <laughs> I'm a big fan of, um, sorry, my computer just pinged up. And I want to make sure we're still recording. I'm a big fan of um, a podcast called The Exponent or Exponent, uh, Ben Thompson and, uh, and company. And James, oh God, James, I forgot your last name. I'm sorry, I apologize. I'll find it in the show notes and put it in there. I love that podcast and it's been going on for more than two years. And it's funny because that podcast has been going around this idea of what they call aggregation theory. And they talk about the Silicon Valley news week after week after week after after week, which would be boring if it wasn't for the fact that they have this big idea that they keep pointing to in this aggregation theory. Now they're starting to move away from that a little bit lately, but it was amazing to say, look, I have this theory and I'm gonna prove it a million different ways based on the news coming in. This podcast seems to keep coming back to a couple of different themes, one of which is that Recruiting is quality, not quantity. And that to me, it's, that's, that's so fundamental to who we are. It's never talked about in the industry. It's never talked about to our bosses. It's never talked about in the literature, but it's a fundamental fact. And it's not one of those fundamental facts like, you know, fish don't understand what water is because they're surrounded by it 24-7, thus they don't know what it is. It simply is the water in which they exist. I think we simply forget. And I think we let other people dictate terms about who we are. I think we let the rest of HR or marketing or whoever runs the rec recruitment department in your particular company determine that our job is to, it, we're a cost center and therefore we have to keep our costs low. And cost low means optimization and that means focusing on qu quantity over quality. And that doesn't get us what we want to do. And you and I and everybody who you work with know that it's about quality. Quality is a function of fit. What's what a high quality hire to you and a high quality hire to me for the same job might be different. I might be some looking for someone who is willing to work 18 hours a day, put their head down and make amazing things. I want a scientist. You might be looking for a leader. You might be looking for someone who um, follows orders. You might be looking for somebody completely different. They Same job, same skill sets, but really a different kind of person. And, and it's a function of fit. Do they fit in with what I think this job is? Do they fit in with what I think my company is? That's what this is all about. And employee-generated content allows people to see more honestly and openly what your company is all about. Thus, they're able to establish a better fit. 
and this is when I take a moment for coffee and probably insert a tiny little commercial for, well, this here, which is crazy because you're already listening, so I'm not, I don't have to convince you. Hold on. As you know by now, this is a pitch-free zone. This is all about education. This is all about learning something. This is all about helping each other and taking what we're learning from each other and, and passing it along to the next person. So that means this is free. I mean, in every complete sense of the word, free. What I'm going to ask, though, instead of a credit card number, is that you simply share this and that you review this on iTunes or Google Play. I, that's that's the thing that gets this in front of as many people as possible. I'm doing this because I love doing it, but frankly, the more people listen to it, the more I love doing it. Go to iTunes. It takes a couple of seconds to just simply throw a couple of star review on that one and maybe say something nice or not. Complain. Feel free. I don't care. Uh, but the more reviews we get, the better off the show ends up being. So that's all I'm asking for. Otherwise, uh, have a great rest of the podcast. Here we go back to the, the show. So that's why EGC is employee generating content or EGC is so powerful and important. It's not just the words and the content you actually publish and allowing the words to come from quote unquote the horse's mouth or the people on the ground, but the fact that the company is so willing to engage in this conversation and put that information out there, effectively airing their dirty laundry, so to speak, that you say that you know, you and I might say, that company really seems to be honest. And if they're as honest about this about what it's like to work there. What else can they be more honest about? Is it the products they make? Is it the way they communicate internally to their staff? Um, I've worked at plenty of companies where I had no sense of whether the company made a dime or not, or the owner was filling his pockets with, with huge bags of cash. Now, does it matter to me? Maybe yes, maybe no, but there's plenty of companies where that transparency is interesting and helpful and good to know, and companies that hide that transparency, I don't know that I wanna stick around for too much longer at, right? And this isn't my current day job, so don't sweat that. Um, so that kind of transparency and openness speaks volumes. It's a it's a dog whistle. It's a thing that you that isn't said, but it's the subtext of everything. The company that lets you know about the good, bad, and ugly inside the company is the company that's going to tell you when things are going wrong and things are going right. And you can trust them when they say things are going right. And isn't the company who says it's amazing things are going right while the the world burns around them. Uh, that's what I think the real value is. It, if it allows for a truly honest a conversation, or at least gets close to it, as close as one can have with a company, uh, about what the company's all about and what the experience might be. So if you buy into this idea of EGC, and I hope that you do, not that I have a stake in this or not that I'm selling you anything, obviously, but let's talk about how you actually do it. In the last podcast, we did kind of talk about, you know, how do you put your toe in the water? And we talked about Instagram as a great way of making that happen. And... To recap, it is because it's a fairly controlled model. It's very easy to say, look, everybody, you've got the computer in your pocket, the supercomputer in your pocket with a camera and a video camera and a voice recorder and you know all sorts of tools and whatnot. Go ahead and just take a picture of your workspace, desk, commute, whatever it is. And because you're not asking people to choose words surrounding it, and words have so much connotation around them, and they can be you know, the same scene can be used can be told in a very negative fashion a very positive fashion the picture is just the picture and it's more honest and it says look this is what this person saw and yes there may be a filter applied maybe there were some judicious editing or cropping of that photo but in the end that thing happened um the issue of instagram is that because it's so good at brand awareness employer brand awareness it's not necessarily so good at calls to action but that's okay you know the employer brand is all about the top of the funnel and not about conversion 
Um, and maybe we should have an, our next episode should be a deep dive into the funnel because I love the funnel. Um, and some of you are groaning. <laughs> so anyway, um, some of this content is coming from an article I wrote last year called The Five P's of Employee-Generated Content, but I want to review it a little bit because I think it made a good structure and keeps me from rambling too much. Um, and thank you for Burnt Toast 94 what whoever it was who said, yes, this is a stream of conscious uh, podcast, and I make no bones about that, so you can't be too shocked, um, nor can I. So let's talk about how you actually make EGC happen. You know, if you get to that and do that Instagram project and it turns out pretty okay and nobody died and nobody got fired and it was like, okay, this this is a good, interesting idea and maybe you collected 20 great photos of your office or various offices or locations or departments and you're like, okay, this was a good step in the right direction. How do I make this a real thing? How do I make this less a pilot and more an actual program that happens on an ongoing basis? So the five Ps are pretty straightforward and the first of which is platform. Um, without a platform, you're just doing stuff. And I think a platform can be a lot of different things. A platform can mean an actual software platform that you're going to spend some money on to encourage staff to do this thing, to ask them to do these things, and to collect this information. And you can spend five figures easy on this sort of thing, even on a relatively small company. You don't have to. A platform can be simply a process by which you say, you send out an email once every two weeks saying, hey, everybody, your project or your, your request this this period is to take a picture of X or to tell a story about Y or to whatever. And when you're done with it, email it to this email address. And if you like it and we'll get back to you and get some you know, sign-offs if that's the sort of thing we need to do, if we need to involve legal, we'll let you know. But otherwise, anything sent to us, we are going to use as marketing material potentially. That's a platform. Email is the platform. But it's the, the, the platform surrounded by the processes by which you say every X number of weeks or days or months, we are going to make this request. The request comes inward this way. We validate this way and let you know that we're going to use it. And by the way, there should be a feedback loop in which you say, hey, look, Bob Patel, Susan, whoever, um, Ivan, who I don't care. You made a great picture. You told a great story. By the way, this was amazing, and we're going to put this on the front page. We're going to let you know how much we valued this. And by the way, it was so good. Here's $10 and for coffee. Go have a coffee on us or lunch on us. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much. You know, this, We can do it on the quiet. You don't have to announce that the, there's a quote-unquote winner. But this piece of content, this story, this picture, this video, whatever, was so good and so compelling. We just wanted to th find some way to thank you. We really do appreciate it. That is going to make that person, one, walk on air for a couple of hours. Two, I mean, the coffee helps. Um, three, they will tell other people, and they'll feel pride in that thing. The best part, of course, is that they will actually share that content with their audiences, which is great, and gets it out there. But you need a platform. And when I say platform, I don't mean just a software platform. I mean a process and a plan by which this thing happens over and over and over again, which leads into P number two, process. You can't just do this as a one-off. You really do need to plan this as an ongoing thing. If you just do it as a one-off, people will ignore it because it's, you know, goofy idea of the week. You know, whether it's goofy HR idea of the week, goofy C-suite idea of the week, goofy manager idea of the week. You know, they read a book and they think it's all about Scrum or it's all about Agile or it's all about wandering around or it's all about uh, process improvement and Kaizen or whatever. You know, they go, ugh, this again? A one-off is nice to kind of just make sure that they're, you know, to test a process, but you should expect to do this on a regular basis. The truth is, and content marketers will talk about this to themselves and not necessarily to the rest of the world, content is a machine. You have to feed the beast. You have to keep telling it stories and keep feeding it ideas. 
Yeah, you can reuse content over and over again on social and, and retell those stories again, but at some point you have to come up with new things. The same stories over and over and over again, forever, people will start to ignore. You have to keep feeding the beast, and that means coming up with new ideas, coming up with new content. You have to come up with a process that generates and requests this content on a semi-regular basis. It doesn't have to be weekly. Go quarterly. Go nuts. But you have to have a process, and that process needs to be clear to the user. If you in your head know that this is a once-a-month process, but you don't tell everybody when you're that first time you're saying, hey, everybody, we need a picture of this thing or of your dog or your commute or whatever, and you don't say we're coming back in a month for another idea, and you do them, first off, they're going to say, okay, this is goofy idea of the week. Nobody cares, and I'm going to ignore it. And then obviously when no, you get no buy-in, it makes it really hard to, to convince everybody, now do it again because nothing happened. Remember that request we had and you didn't see any of the material getting published that we got because we didn't get any because we didn't communicate that this is a real thing? We're doing it again. Huh. We'll be shocked when we get anything. You have to communicate that you're in on board, that there's a process, that you're going to be doing this on a regular basis. That also helps because person A, B, or C who doesn't have a good picture or story to tell for the first one can get the sense of, okay, don't put too much pressure on myself to gin one up and make something happen, but instead... Maybe I'll wait to the next one. Maybe that is more applicable to my world. If the question is, tell a great customer story, customer service should have lots of stories. Other departments may not. Let them kind of say, okay, this one isn't geared towards us. The next one might be. Three, publicity. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to assign credit to Andy Crestadina. I don't know that that's true, but he passes it around, so I'm going to give it to him, and you can always go bug him um, if you want to find out exactly where it came from. It, good content con, good content isn't content that wins. The best uh, promoted content is the content that wins. There are gems, glorious solve-your-problems posts that are rotting in somebody's blog somewhere that no one ever sees because the person who wrote it wrote it, hit publish, and then went about their day. There are, you know, inside the content marketing world, there are conversations about you should spend as much time coming up with the headline as you do the rest of your content. I think that's somewhat facetious or somewhat, uh, um, you know, imperfect, but I think it's a good idea. It's a good indication of, look, you don't just slap a headline on it and call it done. At the same time, you just don't publish a thing and call it done. You have to promote your content. You have to share it with the world. You have to figure out who wants to see this um, how are they going to share it? How are they going to see it? How are they going to find it? If you know what channel they're in and roughly what time of day you're pushing it out, you can get a sense of what mindset they might be in. You publish it in the morning, they're on their commute, they're looking for inspiration. End of the day, they're looking for a laugh probably. They're looking for a way to, to, to calm down or cool out. Uh, middle of the day, maybe they're looking for an idea. You know, There's lots of different ways to think about that and how to position that to promote it to get people to accept it. Um, a, a line... I came up with, and I've shared quite a bit, not necessarily on this podcast, that the whole if you build it, they will come is a line from a movie, a fictional movie. It's not a content strategy or a recruiting strategy. If you write content and build it and publish it, that doesn't mean anyone's ever going to see it. You do have to promote it. Now, the neat part, I mean the, the, the glorious gem of coolness about employee-generated content, and yes, I just said glorious gem of coolness. Do not hold that against me. Oh, even I'm a little sad by that. Um you know, is that because you're asking your employees to generate this content, and it is their content, in fact, and you are going to publish it on your platforms, you have a built-in audience of people who help you promote it, i.e. the people who made the content. There's a great old trick in the content marketing world, and I've really gone back to the content marketing well a lot this week, interesting, um, 
and that is it's called ego bait and that is if I write something positive about you and publish it and then I tell you on Twitter or Facebook or hey person I wrote something really cool and positive about you that person will be very inclined to share it because they want to say hey look everybody people talking about me I'm really cool and smart you just tapped into their network which is you know likely to be bigger and better than yours and that's why you do it you don't you don't try and promote people who are smaller than you you try to promote people who are bigger than you so you can ride some coattails same thing here if you are going to use 10 pieces 10 images from your staff tell your staff you're going to use it and they will share it out to their networks this is networks of people you don't normally have access to um, and this is fantastic these are virgin eyeballs so to speak and that's a great way of pu publicity publicizing this idea it's not the only way. You obviously want to consider what social channels it goes out, when it goes out. Do you put a couple of bucks behind it? And you don't ever have to spend a lot of money, but I think, honestly, 20 bucks behind certain posts can do a world of good. You know, can you get other people, your staff, C-suiteers, you know, can you use it as influencer marketing materials? There's a lot of ways to promote this stuff, but you definitely have to put some thought into it. If you build it, they will come as bull. It's a, it's a line from a movie. Uh, a well-written movie, but to be sure, but certainly still fiction. Um, you need to think about how do you promote that. Fourth one. This is my favorite. This is the one I, th I don't think anybody talks about, but I love. And it's actually come up a lot in my life in the last two or three weeks uh, in my day life, day job, uh, and that is the prompt. So whenever I talk about employee-generated content, I go back to the well of and back to this idea of take a picture of your desk. Now, that is just a hairy chestnut of an idea. I mean, nobody cares about your desk. Certainly not anymore. Everybody's desk is a f almost the same, and maybe there are a few instances where desks are interesting. Um, and the times I've seen it done well, trust me, there's so much staging involved in the process that it r was more fiction than nonfiction. And that's fine. It's telling a story that's accurate and useful. It's just finding a way of using fiction to tell a nonfictional story. Uh, and we can talk about that all day long if you want, that little kind of weird idea. But we won't. Um, but the idea is that if you ask people for trite ideas, you're going to get trite content back. And that's tricky because if you're in recruiting and you're in HR and you're in talent acquisition, your job is not to be creative per se, but you need to be creative in how you ask for a prompt. And I'm going to give away my secret, my favorite one, just as an indication. And I still use it. I use it a lot. Uh, and I've used it for a long time now, but it's gotten such good. It's, it's, it's just my old standby. It always works. It always kills. If you're trying to ask and I'll, and I'll explain kind of how I think it works and why I think it works, and you can disagree with it all you want, but I just know that it tends to work. Um, nine, <laughs> what's it, nine times out of ten, it works 100% of the time. Um, <laughs> I'm not drunk, I promise, but I am going to take more coffee. So here's the, the, the prompt, and it's the request you're asking for people. And that is, if you're asking people... You know, what do they do all day? Maybe you're trying to get them to illustrate what their day to day is like. You know, this is a piece of content surrounding a day in the life, right? You know, again, Harry Chestnut of an idea. Everybody does this stuff. Um, and it's not so much that you need something, a different idea. You just need a better execution of a good idea. Like, you know, a, a good idea. What's the joke? There's only 20 stories in the world. We just keep telling them over and over again. And, you know, when you do it right, you get amazing stories. You get Star Wars every once in a while. Um, and, but most of the time, Telling the same stories over and over again gets you whatever the anti-Star Wars is. So how you ask for and how you ask this prompt to get information, it's an executional function, but it is invaluable. It is, it is where the real money is, the real, the real, the real value is. And that, so going back to you're asking someone, what do you do all day and how do you spend your time? You can ask them, hey, 
tell me what you do hour by hour. I know Tim Ferriss starts with what do you have for breakfast? I know, you know, it, it, there, there are ways of kind of walking around it to get people going through it. And, and you know, when Tim asks and he's looking for nitty gritty because he's looking for parallels across, you know, a very, very uh, productive people. Do they do certain things similarly? And that's an indication that it might be something worth adopting by him and his audience. This is not really what you're doing. You need to find a way of, of getting people to tell a better story. If you ask 100 project managers what they do all day, you will get 99 of the same answers in one slightly different answer. Project managers, program managers, product managers, all, you know, they do jo their job and their jobs are generally very similar. And they're going to talk about their jobs similarly. But if you ask the prompt in a different way, you're going to get a different answer. So here's here's my trick. And I can't believe I'm giving this away, but here you go. It's worth every penny. You're paying, you know, whatever you're paying for this podcast, this is worth it. This is where the money is. Um, what does your mom think you do all day long? Um, there was a, a string of memes where it was like a, a, a grid of six pictures and goes, here's what my boss thinks I do. Here's what my staff thinks I do. Here's what my parents think I do. Here's what the public thinks I do. Here's what, you know, uh, the government thinks I do. Here's what I think I do. And they're different pictures illustrating the different perceptions and perspectives of your job. And I think asking, what does your mom think you do? Or what does your mom tell other people you do all day is a great question to ask on a couple of reasons and I'm going to explain my reasons so that you can kind of find your own if you're unwilling to steal mine which is fine if you do I guess um, first off if you're asking people that question they're in a semi-formal situation you've got someone from talent acquisition HR asking them a question now clearly shields are up <laughs> no one goes into that conversation going hey how you doing everybody's got their shields up everybody's cautious and conservative in their answers and they they're trying to look for the answers they think you want and then try to give them to you there's a somewhere there's a study that talks about um that uh, uh, interviewer validation is the is one of the powerful most powerful motivations in getting people to responding to questionnaires what is the the interviewee think the interviewer wants to hear and they try and find ways of, of, of delivering that but when you ask a question about what does your mom think you do one it just breaks all the barriers down Suddenly, it's quite clear that this isn't your standard HR question. This isn't your standard, um, I brought a binder and there's a checklist and here's one of the questions that we're going to go through. This isn't a SWOT analysis of a question. This is different. So the shields go down immediately. Two, bringing up family triggers an emotional response. You're at work. You're not supposed to be thinking about your family. You might have a picture of your spouse or your child or some significant person in your life pinned up to your corkboard, but really in the end, your work is for work what does your mom have to do with this? <laughs> and then suddenly you're like, oh, you get an emotional response. I'm thinking about my mom. Positive or negative, whatever. I'm not getting into that. But an emotional response, which triggers huge parts of your brain that you don't normally trigger at work. And then how do you define what you do every day in a way that is around your mom who doesn't know the technical aspects of what you do, chances are, and thus you have to come up with a different way of describing your job. It's putting you out of your comfort zone. That is a winner every single time. Now, the best case, if you're doing this for a video shoot, the, the nine times out of 10, the first response is a giggle or a laugh because no one sees that question coming, nor should they. It should be kind of a shock. Give them three boring, dry questions just to warm them up and then hit them with that. They're going to giggle. I mean, that's why interviewers really know how to really structure a question. They know how to kind of warm you up by saying, okay, get used to talking in front of the camera, get used to answering my questions here. And then I'm going to throw you this weird one from out of left field, trigger some emotional response, and then Anything I ask after that is in 
within the frame of you having been triggered emotionally and we can have a deeper conversation. So you do dumb questions early on, you know, name and title, what department are you in? How long have you worked here? Blah, 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 blah. What does your mom think you do all day? Yeah. What? And then everything else after that is gravy. It is such good content. So that's why the prompt is so powerful. If you ask dry prompts, you will get dry answers. You will get crap content. You will feel like this is a waste of time. Final P, publish. <laughs> um, duh. <laughs> you know, building content and not publishing it is, um, I don't know. There's got to be a metaphor for it. I can't think of it. I want to go to things like going to the gym but never wearing tight-fitting clothes. I guess. I don't know. What are you going to do? you got to publish your content. And like any other content marketing plan, you have to think of how, how many different ways can I use this piece of content. If you've got a great interview and you're doing it well and you know that you're asking these interviews over and over again and you have a structure of questions, so you have the same eight or ten questions you're using over and over again because you've kind of figured out what the pattern is and what the plan is and what the process is. And again, you give them the two or three dry ones and then you ask them about their mom and then you do this other one and then you've got, and you have a couple of good ones kind of sprinkled in to keep their emotions up and keep their responses more lively. One, each interview is going to be a gem in and of itself. Two, break those interviews down so that you ask 10 different people those questions. I want the 10 answers to each one of those questions. They're individual videos, they're individual articles, they're individual posts. Quotes from each one are social uh, quotes you can throw into Twitter and Facebook to get you to the, these pieces of content. Take a lot of quotes and tell, write an article based on those quotes, using that, those quotes to support your thesis. You can take 10 interviews and turn it into 100 different pieces of content. If you're thinking about it, you know, this is the Native American, we use all parts of the buffalo. We use all parts of the content. Done properly, we use every bit, every bit of gristle, every bit of bone, every bit of sinew, every bit of offal in the buffalo. We use it. We got to use it. Otherwise, it's wasted time. You got to put it out there. You know, you can put it, you know, the nice thing about breaking content down into quotes and bits like this is that you suddenly start to see the cathedral for the bricks, right? You start to see, I have a pile of bricks. You, for those of you who are old like me, you know, I, I remember getting, and I was a Lego kid. Oh, man, was I a Lego kid from way back. And they would come in these boxes, and they would have pictures of what I was supposed to build with that thing. And I swear to God, I scoffed at them every single time. Are you kidding me? Really? Ripped open the box, poured the Legos into my plastic bin of the rest of my Legos, and said, I do what I want. And maybe that's indicative of me as a human being. Maybe that explains a lot of who I am and why I do stuff like this. But I think most people do that. I think most people, maybe, you know, some people will build a thing in the box once just to say they did it and say, okay, good. I'm piling all my Legos back in the pile. You have to see your content as that finished Lego bit. You have an interview, and that's a finished rocket ship or castle or car or whatever that thing is. Great. Now break it down into individual Legos and pile it into a bin and sort them if you're going to be a little anal retentive about it. And I have no problems with that if you are. Um, and then reuse them and think about it. Okay, if I have these 10 great stories about how people talk about their mom. One, this is the ultimate Mother's Day story, by the way. <laughs> Two, it's interesting, it's engaging, it's fun, it's it's emotional. This is the sort of thing you can tell internally to say, this is what people talk about. This is how people see their jobs. And that is incredibly powerful internally for employer brand. You need to start to see the thing for the bricks that make it up, for the different quotes, for the different stories, for the different anecdotes, for the different elements that you can pull out and reuse a million different ways. You've got to see the content for the bricks, for the Lego blocks, right? That's how you reuse it over and over and over again. Once you see the different bricks, you can find all the different ways you can rebuild those bricks into something brand new. 
the best moment will happen. And I guarantee if you do this right, this will happen. A year after this project starts, a piece of content that you collected day one or day two, look at it again a year from now, having done all these interviews and asked for this content and asked for pictures and stories and whatnot. Look at the first couple pieces of content you get and you will see that content with brand new eyes. You will see 10 new uses for that piece of content, that raw Lego spaceship. Now you can see how it's broken up into a million little pieces and all the different ways you can use those pieces. That's incredibly powerful. I think most people think of content as a message in a bottle. They write the story, they stick it in a bottle, they throw it out to see, done, next, what do we do now? No, good content marketers have libraries of stories and libraries of quotes and libraries of images they use over and over and over again in different ways and different frames and different uses. Um, that's just the best way to use that stuff. So hopefully that gives you some structure and thought process around the concept of EGC and how to launch it. Honestly, your biggest hurdle is going to be getting buy-in executives, you know, from executives to because you're allowing, as we talked about last week, you're allowing your employees to activate and to discuss and to enable and embody your employer brand. There's friction between employees and employers. It's just natural. That's life. Um, getting your executives to buy in on spending just the teeniest bit of money and time on this idea um, you have to kind of, you know, let them know that you're controlling this process. You're, you know, this is prompt is not to say, hey, everybody, go on Facebook right now and write the story of what your mom thinks you do. That's a bad idea. You want to tell those stories internally. That's why you have a platform and a process to collect them internally, edit them, uh, manage that process, make sure you're, you're telling the, the right story. Again, don't be sunshine and daisies every single day. You have to tell some negative stories. You have to tell, you know, in the bad old days, it used to be like this, but we've made some changes. You might use quotes, and here's my favorite. You might use quotes to validate against a negative Glassdoor review. So for example, let's say you've got great stories about who you are as a company and how you spend your time. Somebody goes on Glassdoor, somebody's mad. Er, I just got fired or I just left my job and I really am mad at somebody and I'm going to take it out on you on Glassdoor and I'm going to say how horrible you are as a company. You can go and review, respond and you can use that cookie cutter manner of way you're responding by saying, well, I'm sorry you feel this way and this is not how we, we, we try to conduct our business. It's very important that we try to do this. If you have any real complaints, please send them to this email address that's really just an alias so that you can blah, 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 blah. That, that's cookie cutter that gets I mean that's that checks the box but it doesn't really do the job however if you can use a quote that says you know that's really too bad that you had that experience we know everybody has a different experience here here's some examples of other people's experiences we're very sorry that yours was not one of these and we hope that you find a place that you fit find, find a place that is exactly what you want because that's what we want for you wow that's incredibly powerful and you're using quotes to kind of defend against this accusation that you are X um, to say, look, you know, we're, you may have seen it that way, but here's a bunch of other people who saw it slightly differently and tied up in a bow to say, we really want you to be happy. And even though we fired your ass because you're a jerk, we, in the end, we'd rather you be happy than not. You know, we just, we just knew you couldn't be happy here and we couldn't find a way for you to be productive here. Um, you know, you got to tell that story that way. But that, and that's a great way to kind of use that content, you know, reusing those Lego bricks to build yet a completely different ship. So there you go. Um, as per usual, having made it to the end of this thing, hopefully you're enjoying this and hopefully you haven't completely fallen asleep. I should do this. You know, just to wake people who've fallen asleep up. Hey, it's your bus stop. Get up. Um, you make a left. Um, <laughs> I'm a jerk. Uh, if you've gotten this far, hopefully you're enjoying this stuff. Please review us. We've gotten five ratings or reviews. It's fantastic. This is what helps us kind of stretch into other people's, you know, visibility and let them know that we're here. Um, 
and, and I know it works because just two days ago, a couple people from Great Britain went totally crazy. And I, my metrics are really thin, but I know that they went totally crazy and they, they completely binged on, our, on, on the podcast. So folks in, in whatever part of Britain you're in, thanks. I appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Completely unrelated story. You can please li- stop listening if you want to, but here's a dumb story. Back in my old job, I used to work with some Brits in one of our sister companies. Um, and I always they're wonderful people and I love working with them but I was always incredibly intimidated because if nothing else they knew how to close a phone call you know I just don't know how to close a phone call maybe that's a personal failing of mine or maybe that's an American thing but I was like okay I gotta go thanks for okay we'll talk to you tomorrow okay bye they would just like all right we're all good talk to you later cheers and they would hang out the phone I'm like oh man they just nail it I was just so intimidated by the way they close they finish phone calls um Wonderful people. Otherwise, if you know, everybody I worked with over in our London offices were fantastic. But I just was always impressed by how they finish phone calls. It's a weird thing to be impressed by, I know, but there it is. Otherwise, please review us. Please share us. Let people know that we're here. Um, you know, like I said, it's worth every penny you're paying for. And if you've gotten this far, hopefully you're getting some value out of it. Otherwise, there's plenty of other podcasts to listen to. I know. So we appreciate we me. I appreciate you listening. So I'll talk to you next week probably, and uh, have a great week. Bye. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.